CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Canada has the world's longest coastline, 240,000 kilometers of breathtaking landscape. But some of those lucky enough to have homes or businesses along the ocean's edge are now cursing their million-dollar views. Molly Thomas investigates the devastating impact of climate-related changes and natural disasters. It felt like post-tropical storm Fiona was out for vengeance on a mission to destroy everything in its path. With relentless water that swallowed homes whole and dangerous winds that ripped apart property like pieces of paper. Catastrophic consequences of a changing climate in full view right across the East Coast. Months later, a tiny coastal town of 4,000 is still recovering. In Porto Basque, Newfoundland, debris from destroyed properties litter the coastline. This house is somehow still standing on pallets. But for others, like Peggy and Lloyd Savory and their son Josh, there's not much to come back to. What's it like um, just being here, coming back to this space? Tough. Sorry. I've been coming down here quite often over the last, since this happened, but every time you come, it's still the same hurt. This is what used to be here. Here's a nighttime video. Look how beautiful that is. The Savories purchased their retirement dream home in 2019. A fixer-upper, Lloyd could drywall, paint, and renovate to perfection. They sunk all their life savings into it, thinking a structure that had been around for 60 years could weather other climate woes. But on September 24th, 2022, the fury of Fiona tore it apart. The family narrowly escaped only because Lloyd noticed the rising water. He just happened to look down just to see, you know, what the water levels were like. And they were higher than he'd ever seen them before. So, How high are we talking about? I, I mean, probably a, a good two, three feet higher at least. He came in in complete panic and just said, we need to leave, we need to leave now. The Savories went to Lloyd's brother's house nearby until they realized they had to get to higher ground. You know, it's like one of those movies as you're driving out, you think everything behind you is going to start collapsing. And we saw a big wave come up over the road and all these big boulders and rocks right behind it. And I just yelled at him to go, go, go. I truly thought at that moment that we were dead. The violent storm took the life of their 73-year-old neighbor just feet away from their property. If that storm happened at 3 in the morning, you would have had a lot more deaths because nobody took it serious. And then we would have we wouldn't have gotten up. We're okay. I think we're okay. Thank you. Thank the you. water was so powerful, it destroyed most of their belongings. And there's stuff really kind of scattered everywhere. Still around here, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like there. Some kind of a picture frame. Some kind of a frame. A pair of pants there. Oh, it's like really stuck in there. Uh, this was my mom's fine china. Most of them were all smashed, but we did find one bowl that was wholly intact in here. 
Josh, you're obviously, you know, the young man of the house and you're watching your parents go through this. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> this was supposed to be it and this was the final stop and this is the perfect dream home and everything was set up and everything was going nice. It was just not, not something they expected and not something that they should have to go through. The family says their insurance company determined the loss was caused by a flood, which isn't covered under their policy. So they're now banking on government help. But no amount of money will replace the dream home Peggy's husband built. He put so much work into it. Sorry. Because for me, I lost my house, but for him, it was so much more. So we can anticipate other Fiona's maybe this year even, uh, and next year and the years in the years to come. Danica Van Prusdy is watching these weather events closely. She's a coastal geomorphologist who teaches at St. Mary's University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Danica, you uh, deal with climate change on a daily basis. You're trying to find ways to mitigate the impacts. Are you worried? I am worried because we have so many people living in vulnerable spaces you know, there, there is potential for, you know, some really significant loss of life. Okay, and, and storm surge, uh, it, it's coming faster and, and more frequently. It definitely, it definitely is. And as we have rising sea levels, it means that even uh, storms that would have occurred 50 years ago are gonna have a higher water level uh, in the present day. They're gonna have a bigger impact, larger waves, larger surge, surge more extensive flooding. Because of greenhouse gas emissions, one European study says almost half the world's sandy beaches face near extinction by the end of the century. Canada is warming at twice the global rate, and the projected sea level rise in Atlantic Canada is expected to be higher than the global average. What does Fiona tell you about future events? We have to adapt and we have to adapt now. And so that means we need to build back better, not build in dangerous places. Some of our activities, yes, like a wharf, for example, does have to be at the coast, but so many things and so many, so much infrastructure in people's homes do not have to be right at that edge. But living on the edge is a reality for hundreds along the coast of Cape Breton, like here in Port Morion. Just days before Fiona hit, we met Stan Peach standing on what's left of his mother's property. Now a 50-foot drop from the water. Erosion is literally eating up her backyard. My dad used to move that fence in every five years. You okay. know, like you can't get three years of that fence now. You know, that's, and it's, it has to be moved in. I mean, when you look at the amount of feet, how much are we talking about? You know, so you're talking 120 feet from the road back and it's now 50 feet from wow. the road back. So what, 70 feet gone? Oh, easy. Easily. Easy, yeah. Adorned with photos from five generations, the two-story home was built back in 1910 on a street specially named after them. This is Grampy and Nana. Yes, that's your grandfather. You know, that's the architect of this home. Yeah. Right there, Fred Peach. 93-year-old yeah. Joyce Peach moved in six decades ago. It's your father and Melvin. Okay, Dad and Melvin right out here. Behind the house, yeah, fixed, yeah. doing traps. That was the garage and that was the barn. Okay, you know, and there isn't even property for them to be on any longer. Uh, Joyce, how drastic of a change have you noticed when it comes to your land? Well, just the fact that there's so much of it disappearing. 
kids would have uh, ball games out there, and uh, we'd have picnics out in the yard, and so I could go out there on my clothes lines to want to hang out my clothes, and you don't do that anymore. Yeah, those waves are not small, Joyce. <laughs> it's scary, yes, it is scary, but uh, I just don't try to let it bother me that much. It's probably why you live so long. Yes, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably, yes, yeah. Although the breakwater down the road is federally funded, protection of infrastructure, like roads and bridges, generally fall to the province. It seems that protecting houses is up to the homeowners themselves. Our local MP 30 years ago told my father, he said, you should invest in about $85,000 worth of armor stone, he said, and protect your property, Joe. Because he said, I don't think there's anything that the government's going to do for you. I mean, $85,000 30 years ago oh, yeah, is was, a lot of money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, you know, that's, my dad was working on the railroad, you know, and uh, that probably would have been 10 years' wages. It's worse for other homeowners just down the coast. This house is only a few feet from a drastic drop. Deputy Mayor James Edwards was showing us eroded areas when he stumbled upon homeowner Mike Boulay. So you're noticing a, uh, a difference in your property every single year? Every single year. Every single There's year. There's a couple of feet going every year. A couple of feet? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And, and you're willing to relocate right now? Yeah. Well, I'm my age. Yeah, I'm in the 70s now. Yeah. I can't keep up with this. It's on, it's on your mind day and night. And, and you feel it's dangerous. You, you feel that, that uh, your life is in danger here, am Yeah, I? it is. In Nova Scotia, the province recently established the Coastal Protection Act to ensure future builds are at a safer height and distance from the coastal shorelines. But that doesn't help homeowners today. Stan, do you worry about your mom staying here? Uh, it, it, it is worrisome, especially in this corner here. It's getting closer and closer uh, every year. But Joyce is defiantly unapologetic about living life on her own terms. If climate change is going to destroy what's left of it, it's nothing I can do about it. Just accept what is going to be. Do you ever think, Joyce, about selling? No. No, I'd never leave here. I would never leave Port Morion. So I'll be here until my last breath, and that's all there is to it. Coming up. She gives life and she also takes life. A sacred place with an uncertain future. I think the biggest struggle is not knowing what tomorrow is going to be like. When W5 continues. It may not be visible to the naked eye, but Canada's smallest province is slowly shrinking. 100 feet, 200 feet. Are we level? Are we level? Good. Climatologist Adam Fennick and his team are hard at work in the town of Surrey PEI today, marking distance from the eroding bank right, guys. and using the latest technology, like this high-performance drone to measure the rate of erosion. This beach is just one of 200 locations they actively monitor. 
PEI shrunk between 1968 and 2010, it shrunk 25 square kilometers. That's about half the size of Charlottetown. Erosion is natural, mm -hmm. but is it essentially happening unnaturally? You know, coastal erosion has always been with us. It'll always continue to be with us. Under climate change, things are getting much worse. Sea levels are rising, the land is falling, uh, the ice is no longer there to protect for as long as we'd like to. Uh, the storms are becoming more frequent and they're stronger storms. So what I see is an increase in the uh, intensity of coastal erosion. What makes the East Coast different from the West Coast? Well, PEI is unique in a sense that it is just this large sandbar. It's just made of sand and sandstone. So it is particularly vulnerable compared to other places in, on the East Coast as well as the West Coast. That vulnerability is clear in these satellite photos before and after Fiona. The orange hue and cloudy waters show how PEI's sand and soil were swept out to sea after harsh wind and waves eroded the island's coastline. So these are all things the climatologists had predicted 20, 30 years ago that would come true. And now we're living it. It's just happening a lot faster than we'd anticipated. And frankly, I'm scared. With solar panels powering the whole institute, it's easy to spot the University of PEI's climate center in the northeast part of the island. Fennec is director of the climate lab. And we're able to allow the user to fly over in this virtual environment. He uses a simulation called Clive to predict what could happen to PEI in the future. He's most concerned about Lenox Island First Nation in the north. Lenox Island is a particularly vulnerable part of Prince Edward Island because it's very low-lying. Fennec shows us how Lennox will fare over the next 90 years if scientific predictions are right. In addition to the coastal erosion, we're able to show the increase in the sea level rise. It looks like half of it just disappeared. It does. Lennox Island is almost um, unrecognizable after a couple of meters of sea level rise. Lennox Island is already tiny, only five square kilometers. It's only connected to the mainland by this causeway opened in 1973, a road that was partially washed out by a storm surge back in 2010. Protective stones have since been added. Adam Fennec has been coming here for a decade to monitor the eroding shoreline. He says the area we're walking into used to be waterfront property. Adam, we're, uh, we're, we're 20 feet from the shore. I mean, uh, knee deep in water here. How much of this island is water eaten up? So if we look over the last 140 years, it's been about 30 Canadian football fields have been disappeared from this small Lennox Island. And 30? 30. Think of the, the worry points of this island. What comes to mind? The biggest concern points in this community are the uh, causeway because it's utilized especially for emergency vehicles um, as well as bring goods and services onto the island um, as well as a wastewater treatment facility because it's a little too close to the shore for my liking. If that was impacted, around 420 residents would be at risk. Elder Matilda Knockwood Snake 
takes that seriously. First thing in the morning, or we take a shower, we should always put tobacco outside on the earth, Mother Earth, and give her thanksgiving for this water we're getting. It's life-giving, for yes, sure. Yes. But, you know, as I look around us, it's also rising. It also is surrounding. Yeah. It can be a threat to a community oh, like Lennox. Yes. She gives life, and she also takes life. And it's not just humans that are affected by it. Nature is affected by it as well. The local Mi'kmaq had historically traveled to hunt, fish, and live in this area. In the 1870s, many were forced to make the small and remote Lennox Island their permanent home when it became a reserve. Even so, because of their long relationship with the ocean, the community has thrived. Today, the local lobster fishery employs many in town. Young families are living here, and you'll find people actively connected to their culture. So they believe in preserving it. The town cemetery, though elevated, was one of the first places the band chose to shore up with stone. If it erodes any more, then a lot of these graves will go down the bank. Talk to me about the significance of, of the land and keeping your ancestors on this land. You know, my mother and father lived here. Um, my aunties and uncles, my, my grandfather fought in World War I and II, and he lays here uh, on, in this cemetery. That means a lot to me. And when I die, I want to also be buried here. Other areas on the reserve are still at risk. In this video, Fiona ferociously floods the reserve's wharf. Just days earlier, we spoke to Lennox Island's chief, Darlene Bernard, at that very same spot. I mean, is, is your home gonna be here in the next 100 years? That I don't know, I can't say, but I'm going to do as much work as I can do right now and in the next years yeah. to make sure that we are still here. Part of that work, petitioning the federal government for almost $24 million to help protect Lennox from erosion. And is that to shore up literally the whole island? No, no, just no. the areas that are like at high risk. So the high risk areas are all along here. When you look, see our homes are here. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I remember running like on this side <laughs> of those houses down the road, you yeah. know? Doesn't uh, exist. It doesn't exist anymore, it's gone. The chief's own backyard has seen changes. This tree, which we filmed near the edge of her property, was out in the ocean after Fiona. If Lennox Island continues to shrink, retreat might be the only option. What is at stake? Let's say if uh, there was an event that happened and like, you know, we had to evacuate Lennox Island, where would we go? What would be the cultural loss? Oh my gosh. I don't even know the word I would use. It catastrophic comes to mind because it's gone. <laughs> like if it was gone, we would have to start again. The First Nation has contemplated moving onto the mainland. The chief hopes it doesn't come to that and that government partners step in. Reconciliation is really a very simple thing, but for me it just means, you know, Let's, let's figure out our shared history together and then let's make it right. So that would be part of making it right is yeah. to help shore up the vulnerable areas for your people. That would be Absolutely. part of reconciliation yes. for you. I, I think it is. We need to have a plan on how we will deal with the many impacts of climate change. Bill Blair, 
Minister of Emergency Preparedness says Indigenous communities are included in the federal government's new national adaptation strategy. Launched in late 2022, the plan contributes $1.6 billion to improve disaster response, build resilient infrastructure, and expand health programs tied to the effects of climate change. And though not spelled out in the plan, the minister indicated that some people may need to move. I said perhaps in the highest risk communities and areas of this country, retreating from those areas and, and helping people relocate is going to be an important part of that strategy. For families like the Savories in Porto Basque, Newfoundland, that might be the only option. Definitely would not be able to live this close to the water anymore. They've been financially wiped out by Fiona and are waiting for special funding from the federal government to help them start over. And I think the biggest struggle is um, not knowing what tomorrow is going to be like next week, next month, next year. I, they say time heals all, but I don't think we'll start healing until we know what our future is going to be. In the meantime, they're making a horrific memory purposeful by keeping one piece of their house standing to remember their neighbor who died and to educate others about the devastating effects of climate change. We didn't fully understand climate change. I don't know that I really truly believed in it until now. And I truly think this is the start of, of what's yet to come. And people need to wake up and realize, hey, it happened to us. We didn't expect it. It's going to happen a lot more. Be prepared. While rock and concrete are sometimes used to shore up coastal properties, there are new options as well, including what's called living shorelines. To learn more, go to our website at w5.ctvnews.ca. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.